Dress for the job you want, by which we mean knock out the person doing the job that you want and take their outfit. Welcome to Triple Click, where we bring the games to you. This week, we all played Hitman 3, a game about intricately planning assassinations, or throwing out the plans and just hitting your target in the face with a fish. Whatever works. I'm Maddie Myers. I'm Jason Schreier. And I'm Kirk Hamilton. And I love being a bald guy who murders people. That's my... (laughs) whole deal. That's what you need to know about me. That is what we are going to talk about this episode is Kirk's obsession with being a bald man who murders people in various disguises. It's just the best kind of man to be. But before we get to that... It's funny that nobody notices he has a barcode on the back of his head. <laughs> like he's yeah, wearing all it's these so disguises. noticeable. Oh, is it? Well, you're the first person to ever point that out, Jason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, it's very interesting that no one can tell him Apart from all of his various disguises. But anyway, we're not talking about Hitman 3 yet because I want to talk about our listener supporters for a quick second. We Mm -hmm. have some listeners who have gone to MaximumFun.org slash join and those listeners have signed up to be members and to receive extra special bonus episodes from us. And they pay us money to do that and it supports the show. And I just think those listeners are really cool for doing that. And they if you're someone are. who hasn't done that, then you, you could. You could actually do mm-hmm. this at any time. You'd be a part of this elite club. But you know, <laughs> if you can't afford it, that's cool. We, we get it. But like, if you can and you want to, then that's pretty sweet. That's, that's my we, thoughts. We appreciate all of our listeners nonetheless. Yes. I just want to say our January bonus episode is one of my favorites that we've done. Uh, the Beans Talk, where we talked about yeah. our lives. It's very it was cool. Very fun. Episode. Very, very cool. We got to find out about one another's lives before yes. before split screen, before triple click. I learned That's some true. fun facts about both of you. Yes. Uh, so yeah, that was that was pretty cool. But anyway, enough of that. Let's let's enough talk about that. Hitman three, Kirk Hamilton's favorite video game. Take take it away, <laughs> Kirk. Okay. I do like this video game and I do think it's kind of funny that I like this video game, considering that it is about a bald man who kills people. Mm. Um and that's so similar to you. That's what's right. funny about it. Is how yes, because that's my you. whole deal. <laughs> I, a bald man who kills people. Uh-huh. Um, there was actually, did I show you guys? There's a picture that someone drew of me forever ago where they thought I was a bald guy forever. Yes, yes. It was really funny. And it was this sort of what you think a podcast host looks like. And then it was this actual picture of me. And he's thinking, oh my, what? Such a relatable <laughs> thing. I wonder if people have images in their minds of what we look like. That I'm, don't sure match they do. up. I'm sure they do. I'm sure they bald do. Bald guy with a saxophone. Mm-hmm. Hey, I could, you could do worse. Uh, all right, so yes, we are doing a triple play on this episode. We're talking about Hitman 3, which recently came out for consoles and PC. It's made by IO Interactive. It's the latest in a long line of Hitman games dating all the way back to the year 2000 when Hitman Codename 47 came out. I have played, I think, every single one of these games. I didn't, I didn't play Contracts. I played them all back when I was a wee little PC gamer. I played the very first one, and these games have remained pretty unchanged over the years. There have been sort of digressions off of the path. Um, the series kind of peaked with Blood Money. That was in 2006. Then they made Absolution, which was more story-driven and not as good. I think I reviewed that one for Kotaku. It was okay. It was still technically a Hitman game, but not really. And then there was this clear reorienting where the people at I.O. realized, okay, Blood Money was the one that was the game. This open kind of 
playful sandbox puzzle thing. And so then they released what they now are calling the World of Assassination Trilogy, which I think is a very funny name. And that started with Hitman <laughs> 2016. Pretty epic. It's a whole world where you just assassinate people. The world is there for you to assassinate. Well, I guess because it takes you all around the world to a it lot does. of different cities. It does. It yeah. does. It's it's uh, it it's just for. We'll get into it. Uh, okay, so <laughs> that came out in 2016, and then from then until now, they've released two more: Hitman 2 and Hitman 3. Each one actually collects the levels from the previous games, and now Hitman 3 is kind of an omnibus game that has every level. A lot of the escalations, every story, the entire story of this trilogy is now collected in one work, which is pretty incredible. And if you've never played any of these games, obviously, it is clear that I love these games. If you've never played them and you get this whole thing, man, that's a lot of fun stuff for you to mess around with. So the three of us have been playing it. Um, I should say up front how much we've played. All three of us are playing press copies that we got from the publisher. I think we're all playing on PC. Mm-hmm. And I've actually finished the story and I've played through the first few levels a bunch of times because that's a fun way to play this game. I've done Escalations. We'll talk about all of that. Um, Maddie, I wanna, we're going to talk a lot about you, how you played, but just Jason, really quick, how much have you played or like what levels have you mainly been focused on? Just the on? first two levels, but I played okay, them cool. both a couple of times. Got mm-hmm. it. Cool. So, Maddie, this is your first time playing Hitman, and I know it that is. you spent a while learning how this works, and I think that might be a good way in, mm-hmm. both to explain to listeners how these game uh, how these games work, and then also to just hear some about your experience. So, so tell us about it. Sure. So, this game is very linear compared to other Hitman games, or so I hear, and that is what I expected it to be like when I started the game, because this is my first Hitman, and I was like, great, this game is going to hold my hand, I'm going to learn how to play Hitman for the first time, (laughs) it's going to rule, and you start off, you're climbing into a building from the outside, you're wearing a flight suit, and that's all very, very linear, you get to like this outdoor window washing station, and then you climb into the building, and so on and so forth, but... For whatever stupid reason, I missed a cue in in the lineup in terms of the mission prompts here, and I didn't realize like when you're supposed to enter the building and how, and just got super off track and ended up inside the building still, but like didn't have any of the mission prompts to help me. So like the early initial way that you're quote unquote supposed to beat this mission is you're supposed to like. Uh, set up a meeting between the two guys you're supposed to assassinate and it's it's very easy if you actually play the the mission according to the linear way which I did many many hours later but the first time I entered the game I basically just got in the building and I was like I have no idea where I am or what I'm supposed to be doing at all and so I was just <laughs> walking funny. around and finding stuff and I slowly figured out how to kill those two guys, but I had to do it completely detective style because I had no guide at all. And also, again, had never played a Hitman game. So I was like, this game is really freaking hard. Like, it's giving me nothing. Like, I don't know what disguises I I should be using. Like, I don't know how the stealth works in this game. Like, it took me a while to be like, okay, C is crouch. I guess I can crouch. I guess that's good. Like, I had nothing at all and I like managed to defeat the level and that in of itself I'm like it's pretty amazing so I can I can break down like the order of like how I found clues if you guys 
care at all. I would love to hear at least, how did you kill your two targets? This is in Dubai. This is the opening yes. levels in a skyscraper in Dubai. Incredible skyscraper. It's beautiful. It's very Mission Impossible uh, Ghost Protocol. You yeah. fly out. I mean, each level in this game is kind of a recreation of a movie. This one is definitely Ghost Protocol. And yeah. you're in this big swanky party up in the mm-hmm. clouds. And then you have to kill these two jerks. They call it, and an, it's an inauguration, by the way, which is hilarious because the game came out on inauguration day in it, the United States. Yeah, it's a very, it's not the inauguration of a president. So, but yeah, anyway. How did you kill your two targets? You start out in a suit. I I did not realize that the whole point of this game is that you need to kill people and put on their clothes and then people don't recognize well, don't you anymore once them, you're yeah. wearing outfits. It took me a very long time to figure out that I needed to disguise myself. So I like had to figure out how to defeat the first guy without being in disguise for a long time. So I was like going through the kitchen, avoiding people a lot because I wasn't in disguise. And so I was like timing my stealth through the kitchens and like the staff areas. (laughs) Playing like a stealth game. Yeah, You basically created like a challenge for yourself. That is like a normal challenge that would be an Ant-Man game. Which someone could do. And so eventually I find like there's a locker room off the kitchens, which you can barely get into if you're not disguised by the way, but I did. And I was Mm -hmm. like carefully hiding in there. And there's a guy in there who has some papers and he's right. the security guard, as it turns out, or supposed to be the security guard for one of the guys you're supposed to kill. And I there's truly, a mission story mm-hmm. involving him. Right, yeah. exactly, which I played much later. But this was my totally green version yeah, yeah, of it yeah. was that I just happened to stumble across this. And I was like, thank God, like, OK, maybe I can use this. But at that time, I didn't actually know that it would help me. I just was like, I'm just going to take <laughs> this guy's papers like I don't know. Like, maybe it'll help me if I take this guy's papers. So I just, like, sneakily took them and then snuck out of there because I realized that, like, I couldn't take anything else in that room because I, like, didn't want to kill anyone for some stupid reason. So then eventually, eventually, I found the guard tower. There's, like, a control room with other guards where they were talking about the fact that they were waiting for a security guard to show up. And I was like, oh, my God, is that the papers that I have? Like, and of course it is. And so I was like, okay, this is so lucky. And I, like, then I managed to, like find someone I was like all right so I have to kill somebody and disguise myself as a guard this is my first kill so I do that disguise myself as a guard and from then it was like a little easier because there's a mission story that I did by accident where like as you become I think it's Marcus Stuyvesant's guard is is mm-hmm. what I'm describing he sort of leads you up to this weird rooftop and he's like do some knife tricks for me and like I'll see if you really want to be my guard or not and then if you do them correctly he sends away his other guard because he trusts you because he's an idiot and then you can just push him <laughs> off the ledge right. and so I did that and I was like great I can't believe I figured that out but then I had to figure out how to kill the second guy and the second guy uh, I don't know. This is like a more of a long meandering story where like I just slowly figured out where he even was and like watched his patterns of walking around and eventually just figured out that he drank a lot of whiskey. And I was like, okay, I need to figure out how to poison a drink. And like that just took forever. Like I just eventually found (laughs) out that you have to kill a certain guy who has poison and there's like no clue that that would even work. But like I don't know. It took hours and hours for me to figure that out. I don't recommend doing any of this, but that was <laughs> how I did it. And then after the fact, I was like, that seemed wrong. And then I like looked up a walkthrough because I was like, I feel like I somehow did that mission wrong. And then I was like, oh, there's like a completely other way to do that mission, which is hacking into the calendar system and setting up a meeting between those two guys which is way easier. It's a thousand times easier to do that. It takes like 20 minutes because you just set up the calendar meeting and they're both in a room together and then you just kill them both and you walk out of the building and you're donezo. But I did it the sandbox way the first time around because I was like, 
I don't know how else to play this video game. Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Um, I love this. You basically <laughs> were thrown into the deep end, and yes. you did well. Um, you Eventually. played two mission stories. So there is a mis- yes. one mission story. You take over for an assassin who mm-hmm. the one guy is hiring, and then you have to go take out this journalist. Also, just a note, you don't have to kill anybody but your targets. You can just knock right. people out. Well, but you do need their outfits. But you don't have to kill them. You're right. You you, you have to knock them no, out. No, you knock them out and take them. their outfit. But you only it, you get a special award, and you always get a penalty if you kill people that aren't your target. So mm-hmm. you never want to kill people unless they're your target. Right. That's, uh, though it, it happens sometimes in escalations when you don't have when you can't save the game. Um, but so yeah, there's one where you like do assassin you know assassination mission for this guy as a different assassin. You're pretending to be this guy. Mm-hmm. He's the guy who has the poison, yes. and then you can go poison yes. his drink. And then yeah, the other guy you just become a security guard. It's funny that it didn't start giving you prompts because you can turn on those mission story prompts where the UI tells you where to go. And that's the sort of linear I feel like I broke guide. it somehow. Well, because the game didn't think, because the game was stuck on the first mission where you're yes. supposed to be going in. So that's yes. why Maddie didn't get any So prompts. I didn't get anything. When you first go in, though, the there's just that when you naturally go up the stairs, there's a little map. And what's his name? Your friend tells you to go over to the map. And that starts that mission story that gets them both in the same room. That's right. And there were some prompts that did happen, like the key card prompt to get into the kitchen area did still right. happen, but I did at one point go into the room that has the um, the terminals that you can hack, and mm-hmm. I didn't get any of the voiceover that I got like many hours later when I played the mission like the more straightforward way. Like right. when I entered that server room, I was like, I don't understand what this is for, and like my guy in my ear has stopped talking to me for like right. hours now, so I have no idea what the purpose of this room is. So I'm just going to ignore it. But yeah, I think yeah, I you like, broke the game. Broken my game. <laughs> but that's okay. That's okay because. I That's feel like in so doing, I learned how the game can work. And also over the course of those hours of me figuring it out, I realized like, oh, you know, the game's a lot easier if you disguise yourself and there's certain yeah. ways to hide and you can hide if you're disguised as certain things. And like, you can also, you know, hit people in the face with an apple or whatever. I mean, there's all these <laughs> funny things in this video game that you you can do, but it took me a while to figure that out. Yeah, and I mean, you didn't break the game. It's just that that you need, well, you need to hack, the guy needs to hack into the system beforehand before he can tell you, oh, the calendar is here. You Mm -hmm. need to go do this. It's more than just like- I skipped a step. You were out of order. But that's kind of the cool thing about the game is that each of these levels is this full running simulation where all kinds of little sub narratives are happening. Mm -hmm. And you can walk into the middle of them and some of them, I don't even know, like you just start to notice the more you play these games, you'll kind of get a sense for when someone sticks out or when they're having a conversation that is maybe going to be important later, either in an escalation or in a different mission story. There's one part of this, like one of the guys is estranged from his daughter and he's trying to reconnect with her and she's meeting with the artist who's putting on the art gallery show. And there's this whole long conversation they have where they're both in the bar and the one woman who is like the daughter of the powerful guy, she's trying to get out of this and the artist is just going on and on and on and she's super self absorbed and kind of wearing this hilarious outfit and this total visual artist. And I don't even know why that exists yet. I'm not sure where that's going to factor. (laughs) But then the more you play the level, and I've now played the Dubai level a bunch of times, you just get a feel for where everything is, where everyone is. I now know there's this maintenance woman who was going to use an exploding golf ball to kill someone because she yes. has rage issues. And now I know that that exploding golf ball I can get. And I've seen that there's a challenge to kill the one guy who golfs off the top of the building so you can blow up. And also, exploding golf ball is an old hitman trick that's been in the past games, too. So anyways, um, I love that you discovered it this way because... 
This game, I find, runs the gamut all the way from the mission stories, which, especially if you leave that UI bug on and you start them, they just walk you straight up to the person you're supposed to kill. I mean, you you almost have to do nothing. Mm -hmm. And then you wind up in a situation where, yeah, they turn their back on you and they're looking out over a railing (laughs) and then you just kill them and Mm -hmm. no one's watching and you just get a free kill. Two, you know, an escalation on the third difficulty level where you can't change outfits and you have to kill everyone with one specific way of doing it and everyone, you know, you're out of bounds everywhere you go so you have to be hiding and it's super super, super difficult. So it's like this gradient of all of those experiences. And because it's the third game, if you start at the beginning, there is a tutorial and the tutorial missions actually walk you through how this works. (laughs) And there's a really simple one that's actually staged. It's cool. It's this ship that's sort of on a set, like on a stage that they use to train operatives at the very beginning and worth doing. I mean, they're all fun because every level in this game is fun. So um, that is really cool actually even though it may have been annoying the more you play and get a feel for it you'll have found your way in and then you'll be able to find all these different gradients for how to play the levels it wasn't annoying it just made me think that the game was a lot harder than it actually was i was just like damn this game is really giving me nothing and like i really have to be a detective and use my brain and just like walk around this real space real feeling space and notice tiny clues and figure out how they all connect because i i have nothing and it turns out the game doesn't actually have to be that hard unless you want it to be for some reason but <laughs> because it's awesome that way i like it that hard sure, but not yeah. at first i don't know yeah. i never start levels that hard um jason i'm curious uh what do you think of this game so far yeah i'm really into it i mean but it's identical to the first two games which is interesting it's like a very interesting series because there's really no other series where every single game is exactly the same like from sequel no, they're to not sequel, exactly the same i can tell you a few <laughs> differences well i mean essentially the same like uh, like the way the gameplay i'm playing in hitman 3 is not any different than what i was doing in hitman 2 a couple of years ago but that's not a problem that's not a complaint um no no yeah i know i've loved the second level which is inspired oh, by yeah. knives out and it's set in a mansion in england and it is basically a murder mystery and like the mm-hmm. game very much signposts like the first thing you see is a private investigator and then the game tells you to go steal his clothes and then yeah pretend to be a private investigator and go around investigating and it's super cool Cool and really well done. Um, yeah. Even if the mystery itself is a little bit easy to figure out, um, but I have a fun story, which is that. Oh, okay. Um, so okay, so so I, I completed this mission in a number of different ways. Um, there's one fun one where you can go pretend to be a photographer and you get the family yeah, together, yes. and then you you expose the wires and then get water on the wires and you electrocute yeah. the, the 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 matron of the family who is your target, and then mm-hmm. you take a picture and like the picture is her like in death pose. It's of course, incredible. <laughs> um, but here's here's another way I went about it: is I was sending out to solve the mystery, and for this mystery, in addition to picking up clues all throughout the house in various rooms and sections of the house. You also have to use your camera and take pictures of different things. But there's no prompt to tell you when to take pictures or when not to, so I kept missing things on my first go about. And that was fine. I figured I was getting enough info anyway and I eventually deduced who it was because it's pretty easy to figure out who's actually the killer. Um, But I couldn't actually accuse them because you need like a certain level of evidence to accuse them. So I knew who this was, couldn't accuse them. So I decided, okay, I'm going to go around and just do other stuff for now. And so I had them all come, the whole family, this this wealthy, to, well-to-do English family uh, that the, the murder mystery centers on. I had them all come out for the family photo um, and then just decided to follow them afterwards. And the murderer, I won't spoil it, but the actual murderer after this sneaks off to the greenhouse, which is where there's a whole poison assembly mm-hmm. kit 
Have you guys mm-hmm. seen this? Have you, did you guys watch her? Watch the murder? Follow the murder? So yeah. you follow her? No, but I've I've I'm inter- I know how this plays out, but I actually yeah. didn't see this. I part, have seen yeah. this, but continue. Okay, so you so you follow the murderer, and you can actually see them go and make some poison. Um, and they make yeah. a poison bottle. Um. But I still couldn't accuse them. Like, I went back into the house and talked to the butler and, like, tried to talk to the matron and tried to accuse this person and couldn't. So I was like, wait a minute, how do I not have enough evidence now? And so I'm just sitting there in Alexa Carlisle is the target and the matron of the family. And so I'm sitting there in her office and she leaves because I haven't, she's just bored of waiting for me. And so she goes downstairs, apparently, to just, like, meet up with the rest of her family. And so I'm exploring her office, like, looking for clues. I eventually figure out there's a safe in her office that you can open and there's a whole little number puzzle to open the safe so that was pretty fun so I started playing around with that and suddenly I get a message saying my target was killed um and it's just like what <laughs> yep. what my target was killed this happened to me too in a different way yeah like yeah, if you so, wait too long the murderer will just kill the target for you because they're right. already trying to do yeah it. so the murderer it's trying to kill your target so you don't have to do yep. anything. And then I just yeah. grabbed the stuff out of the safe that I needed to get. And I was like, all right, peace out. And just got out of there. <laughs> it, was, it was quite fun. Yeah. It's cool. There's a few different ways that that can play out. I didn't know about that possibility until I was talking to a friend of mine who got that outcome. I think because he like he just couldn't make progress fast enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she was she was killed that way. You can also tell her... You can tell her who the killer is and um, actually do it in exchange for the information you need. Mm-hmm. Yep. And she'll even yep. realize she'll who give you, it to you are. Yes. Yep. And then she walks out to her balcony and she's like, yeah. you know what? I'll just like stand on my balcony facing <laughs> facing away with no guards well, here. Well, you know, they got to give it to you somehow. People are always standing on balconies. <laughs> and you can also, you can frame the butler. Yes. You can, you frame, can frame the frame butler the as well. I have done that. She's very skeptical of it when you do. It's a fun set of dialogues mm. where even she is like, this doesn't really seem like it adds up. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, listen, I'm just doing this to see what you say, okay? I know it's not that guy. But anyway. <laughs> the Dartmoor level is cool. Um, I, I've, they've never done anything like that before, uh, something that scripted. There's always little stories, and that's one of the delights of this game is there's always a whole bunch of little funny, petty dramas playing out between all these different people. You can <laughs> learn all about their their affairs and jealousies, and this target is cheating on that target with this one. So there's, there's always some kind of thing and you can usually find a way to play those against you know the, the different targets and get them to kill one another or open themselves up and um and with this one though the fact that you can then be the you know detective and go and talk to everybody and there's all this stuff for clue gathering and interviewing people they've never done anything like that before you can tell this was just the delight of whoever was in charge of this scenario just loved the fact that they were finally able to do something like this. Yeah. And I really like that. Even though the level... Just watched Knives Out or like read some Agatha Christie and was like... So this whole game, the first level is Ghost Protocol, second is Knives Out, the third is totally John Wick. There's this rave and you're going through like just killing guys. And then it, it go, like each level kind of has a, the feeling of of being from a movie. Yeah, I, I did the escalation in Dartmoor and the escalations in this game are kind mm-hmm. of... Yeah. Yeah, I did it too. It's pretty fun. It's fun. It's uh, they're they're kind of specific, uh, specific rules, specific um, parameters that then get more and more difficult as you go. I'm in the middle of the Dubai one, which is wild. It has a ton of targets, and you have to take them each out in really specific ways, like one with explosives and one by pushing them off a thing and one by shooting them. Um, the Dartmoor one is a little bit more gimmicky, but that's also because the Dartmoor level is cool, but it is more of a 
shtick. It's kind of limited. It's just this right. house right. where mm-hmm. most Hitman levels have two phases, and that's true here too, where there will be uh, what's the one place. Oh, Chongqing in China. That's a great example of this, where there's this kind of beautiful neon lit, rain drenched kind of street city area with a high rise and all these rooftops. And then there's a secret underground facility with all of this, you know, closed down security and different layers of security and bio labs and a big core that you need to get to. Like they usually have two levels like that. Um, mm-hmm. I think Sapienza, the, I think it was the second level of the first game was the first really big example of that. And and then they've always stuck with that ever since. So the escalation in Dartmoor was cool, but it was a little gimmicky. It's a little mm-hmm. silly. You're in this hunting jacket, and eventually you just have to get a yeah. shotgun and like go shoot these guys. And it's sort of it's pretty easy. Um, where the later, it's more fun, I think, when the levels are really dense and they force you to super have the level down cold because you right. have to know, okay, I need to find explosives somewhere. I'm going to start with nothing, so you know, I, I really need to procure everything as I go. Um, and it can just get so rewarding the more you play the levels and you really just get to know them and also learn all these little funny narratives and these little stories. And the way that these that these characters work together. Yeah, it's funny how much of a point and click adventure these games are because it's very much like, okay, I have to go find this object and use it on yeah. this object in order to make mm-hmm. this thing happen. And it's very much it's very much a puzzle game. Yeah. Especially when you're able to save. Because I was playing an escalation mm. in Dubai that went wrong. It's I never kill non-targets. I always try to get silent assassin. I'm it, it's and it's not hard. You can save the game. I mean you can figure it out. It's right. the, you have a ton of advantages in this game. You have the ability to see through walls. You can really it, it's it's hard to mess up once you know all the rules and parameters. But in in um, escalations you can't save the game. So suddenly I'm like too you know, targets in, I'm near the end and I walk into the wrong room and this guy starts coming after me and I just shoot him and then his friend hears the gunshot and comes around the corner and I shoot him too and it kind of really quickly turns into a shooter for a second. Obviously not a great shooter but it's <laughs> even having to react to something like that feels really novel uh-huh. when you've spent 10 hours playing the game as essentially a point and click adventure game like you said. Yeah, yeah. it's a pretty fun thing yes um, and the, the I'm excited for it to bring in elusive targets because I remember really enjoying the yes. elusive targets and Hitman too. That right. is Maddie. In case you haven't, you haven't. You yeah, I have no idea. This. It's like an escalation, and that there's a specific task, and you have to kill someone who shows up only for this mission. But you only have one shot to do it ever. So literally one chance mm-hmm. to do this mission, then it goes away forever. And it's like mm-hmm. limited time also, so it's only available for a couple weeks or something like that. Oh. Yeah, there'll be a whole thing where there's a briefing and everyone says, okay, your elusive target is, and they don't tell you who they are. So you go into the level and you have to know the level. It's like a final exam. Mm-hmm. Everything you've learned doing escalations and playing through the, all the different story missions, you go in and it's just, we know this person is a hacker. They're going to be, they're off the grid somewhere in the building and they're hacking into this computer and you need to go kill them. And that's it. And that's all you know. So you think, okay, well, first of all, I know this building really well. So where would a hacker hide? You know, it's always somewhere logical. And then you have to figure out where you're going to get the thing to go kill them and how to get out. And you only get one chance. So once you kill them, um, you have to get out. And if you get killed, you just fail and you don't mm-hmm. get to do it again. Um, so those are those are really cool. Um, speaking of the online part of this, we should talk briefly about... The yeah. online fiasco, it bums me out just because I love this game and it sucks to see the narrative be marred by this online thing, but that it really is a drag for people. It sounds to me yeah, like the, the console server, versions in particular. Um, our buddy Russ Frushtick of the Besties and Polygon has been playing on PS5 and he just tells me, at least as long as we were talking, his version was just a disaster. On PC, it was okay for me. I would occasionally just get these annoying disconnected from servers because the game 
checks in with the servers every time it saves. So that's also for auto saves. So there will just mm-hmm. be times where you're in the middle of a kind of fraught activity, and then the, the game just freezes and says disconnected. And if you just go into offline mode, it you have a different track of progress in offline mode. So you kind of lose your progress and it screws you up. So you don't want to do that, which mm-hmm. is a drag. So I would imagine it sounds like on console, it's happening constantly. You're just getting booted. It's really hard to make progress or get enough flow. And it sucks because it's a really good game. And I feel like I've seen so much of the discussion around like people rightly feeling frustrated that this game that feels mostly like a single player game is constantly having this server issue. Yeah, it feels so weird. It happened to me pretty frequently, and I do not have any internet problems, So, I, and oh, yeah. I'm plugged in. It's not you. <laughs> so I, I'm just like, why does the game yeah. keep telling me that I am disconnected when I am not? It's It felt like such an old-school problem for an always-online game to have. Mm-hmm. Like It's been a long yeah, time. Yeah, it's since reminiscent of the conversation we had yes, the other very day much about so. online games. I saw some yeah. threads about how totally complicated what IOI is dealing with, partly because they've had multiple publishers, they've had this game on a bunch of different systems, they're keeping mm-hmm. them all running at the same time, they now need and to now merge them the all Epic into one Store game, multiple servers, yeah, they've now on Epic from Steam, so it's like, with all of those complications, it was sort of saying, it is understandable at least that this might be happening, but it's still very regrettable, and it's yeah. still really frustrating, and I totally get why people would think, but this is just does it really need to be this online even mm-hmm. you know like this is basically a single player game yeah and it's a game that's very much about flow and being in the, the yeah. zone and so like getting interrupted by an error screen every I don't know hour 45 minutes whatever it's very weird and annoying and you're like yeah. in the moment like totally focused on whatever bizarre arcane task at hand and you're just like oh right this is a video game at least that's my experience. Um, so, Kirk, so getting back to the game itself. Yeah. So one of the things people are talking about a lot this time around is that there's an ongoing story and it seems to put a lot more focus on that ongoing you know, story. I don't agree with that, really. Uh, I got to okay. say, having played all these it. games. Yeah. Yeah, I finished it. I mean, there's some story stuff toward the end, but it's never more than just... I don't know, the constant blah, 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 Diana, blah, blah, Agent 47, who remembers what is killed who. And then you're just, it's always kind of silly in the background stuff. The okay. real narratives of this game always take place in the, in the missions. And right. then there are some points toward the end where the mission story more clearly dovetails with the story in the cutscenes. And you're kind of, it's and it's cool. They do some really fun stuff that you can tell they've wanted to do. The final mission, like the final sort of uh, run toward the end is really neat um, and has some just really nice moments I of course won't spoil but I really enjoyed and it's it's cool but it's it's not like a narrative game especially not in the misguided way that Absolution was it's still totally a Hitman game and I'm curious I kind of want to play it again from the beginning just to not exactly for the story, but just to see how everything fits together, because there's some cool callbacks. There's a lot of callbacks in this series, because the same people have been making it this whole time, where the trilogy does feel complete, and people will reference, oh, he was a bodyguard for this guy, and you know, oh, that's right, that was that guy I killed way back, you know, three years ago (laughs) in Hitman 1, and um, especially because the first game was released episodically, and now is a kind of complete game and now of course the whole thing is complete you can just go play them all back to back i think that would be really fun to do even if you just did some like those same sort of mission stories that just guide you through it to go through each level and get a feel for all of the things that 47 did over the course of the saga because it really was a saga i, I mean, feel like that so would, get, that would turn into a grind it would feel a little repetitive oh, I, mean, the... I, I don't think that it would but it, it all depends on how much you like this kind of game 
Yeah, I guess I'm much. Yeah, I I, I like to dabble and I like to get to know a le- one level, but then I find that I burn out on these games um, more quickly mm. than other games. Interesting. Why do you think that is? Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I think maybe just because so much of it is about like coming up with your own story and your own finding the fun yourself, mm, which very can be far cry enjoyable. too. Yeah, which can be <laughs> enjoyable for a little while, but I it isn't like my favorite type of game as opposed to a game that that tells you a story. And one of the reasons I enjoyed the, the the Dartmoor mission so much is because it has that kind of beginning to end, like actual narrative of this family and the family right, is right. fascinating and getting to know them and their mystery is really interesting. Yeah, I I think part of what's cool about the Hitman story, and this is probably true of all the other Hitman games, but whatever. I don't know. I can only talk about Hitman 3 is the fact that it's as though multiple realities are existing at the same time. So you can never really tell a concrete story in that environment. Like, for example, Mm -hmm. it's as though Agent 47 remembers everything that ever happened to him. Like he is a video game character, essentially, because he's you. And so like, if you're replaying a level multiple times, like there's the fact that you can kick down a ladder and then the ladder's there for you again later if you replay mm-hmm. the level. It's a new so it's like in this as game, though yeah. as though the world itself bends to your will and like you're really <laughs> just a video game character like experiencing this world. But then there's also the way that achievements work or not achievements, but like unlocking things in the game where like you play a mission story and once you've beaten it, it's like checked off and it's as though you've experienced that. And at first I was like anxious about my saves and I was like, do I need to maintain just one save file where I've like completed all of these things. And then I was like, Oh no, the game just remembers everything I've ever done. And if Mm -hmm. I've achieved something, it doesn't matter if I overwrite that save later, like the game remembers everything. Right. Do you get what I'm saying? So it's like, as though the story itself is something meta and outside of the idea of the game. It's Groundhog's Day, Maddie. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Hitman just keeps remembering. (laughs) He does, yeah. In Dubai, I was doing an escalation and uh, the daughter of the character that I had killed in the story was talking about how her father had died. So I was back in Dubai at that point, which then does make sense because you unlock more places and costumes. Well, I thought the escalations were always set after... Whatever happens, no? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that I, I I never realized that there were more lines of dialogue. Huh. It was yeah. actually narratively set after the events of That's the game. That's interesting. In yeah. a very subtle way, it's basically the same level, but um, but there were some some differences, which I'm assuming at least that that's what I saw. I might be wrong, or the levels might not all be like that. But mm-hmm. I noticed that and thought that was actually kind of cool, at least during that um, during the Dubai escalation that I did. Yeah, mm-hmm. I wasn't sure also if like if you play certain mission stories, if that would matter later in the game. But it doesn't sound like it's that kind of game where. I'm like, well, if no. I do or don't do a certain mission story, then is that going to matter? But that's just not how the game works. It's like right. individual little puzzles that you can fit together yourself and tell your own story. It's a very classic Kirk Hamilton game in that way. Yeah, the stuff that carries over is just you unlock more gear or, sure. or starting locations in specific levels, but it's mostly level mm-hmm. level specific. And I just yeah. think it's interesting. And you also get points. And but one of the one one thing that people find enjoyable about it is to compete for the most points for a given level, right? Or like a high rating. Yeah. Did yeah, you see yeah. the speed run of Dubai where the person just walks in and shoots the two guys and walks out? It's a seven second speed run or something. <laughs> You can really get them? right in. Well, they're, they're both visible from oh, when you walk in. That's so funny. And he just takes his pistol out and murks the two guys and then walks <laughs> out the door. That's amazing. that's amazing. It's incredible. It's on Kotaku, I think. Someone posted it. it really <laughs> amazing. Cool. It's too bad I didn't do that. I feel like I could yeah, have right. done that you right out of the game. The game in why seven didn't seconds. I figure that one out? I don't know. I don't know. I took hours. I don't know. Nice. All right. Well, I'm going to definitely be playing this game some more. And, um, and it's, a, it's a fun game. Why don't we take a break and then we'll be back with one more thing. 
Hi, I'm Jackie Cation. Hi, I'm Lori Kilmartin. And we have a podcast called The Jackie and Lori Show. Who are you, Lori Kilmartin? Oh, my God. So much pressure. Uh, I stand, I stand up. I've been doing stand up since 1987. Uh, I'm a writer for Conan. I've written a couple books, have a couple CDs out, have a special out. Who are you, Jackie? Well, I too am a stand up comic since 1984. And uh, I do the road like a maniac and uh, don't have a cool writing job, but I have four albums out working on a new album. We talk about stand up, we talk about uh, all the different parts of stand up comedy. So that's the Jackie and Lori show, and you should subscribe on Maximum Fun if you want to hear that. <laughs> and I would encourage you not to. <laughs> Hey, you like movies? What about coming up with movie ideas over the course of an hour? Because that's what we do every week on Story Break, a writer's room podcast where three Hollywood professionals have an hour to come up with a pitch for a movie or TV show based off of totally zany prompts. Like that time we reimagined Star Wars based on our phone's autocomplete. Luke Skywalker is a family man and it's Star Wars, but it's a good idea. (laughs) How about that time we broke the story of a bunch of Disney Channel original movies based solely on the title and the poster? Okay, Sarah Hyland is a 50-foot woman. Let's just go with it, guys. Or the time we finally cracked the Adobe Photoshop feature film. Stamp tool is your Woody, and then the autofill is the new Buzz Lightyear. (laughs) Join us as we have a good time imagining all the movies Hollywood is too cowardly to make. Story Break comes out every Thursday on Maximum Fun. I don't know why I'm using this voice now. And we are back in time for one more thing. Maddie, you get to go first because I'm excited to talk about your one more thing. (laughs) Great. So I want to talk about Ted Lasso, which is a television show on Apple TV Plus. Is that what that service is called? That is correct. I should have looked into this. Whatever whatever, uh, Netflix competitor Apple's put together where they're funding television shows. Um, I love this show. And Mm -hmm. I think people should get an Apple subscription so that they can watch it because it rules. It is a comedy 30-minute episodes, I think there's eight of them, really (laughs) feel-good show where you watch it and you can watch it right before bed and have a great night's sleep kind of a TV show because you just feel good about the world. It's Jason Sudeikis playing a like Midwestern um, American student football coach, I guess college ball. Jason, I feel Mm -hmm. like you would remember what his backstory is and I don't. Um, And he ends up getting tapped to run a football club in the UK, which would never happen in real life. Well, the other football. Yes, the other football, the other kind of football, soccer. uh, But it's actually called football there. And it is a completely absurd premise, which is based on a series of commercials, apparently, that Jason Sudeikis did that I watched. And I was like, sports are pretty funny Mm -hmm. commercials. And they made it into a television show. And I don't know, it rules. And based on that description, (laughs) you wouldn't think that this would be a television show that has some of the best written female characters that I've seen in recent memory, but it also is that. And I, I don't know, I was really impressed, especially with the character Keely, who's like um, dating one of the footballers. And that mm-hmm. sounds like such a reductive role, but she really rises above it and becomes like a key fixture in the show and like the moral center of it in a interesting way. So yeah, I, I love this show and I, think people should watch it and beard yeah. beard is my favorite character yes there's so many great characters on. it's the really show. hard to pick a favorite um i i go i i watched this show twice now and we watched great. it again with m's <laughs> folks and it holds up the second viewing it actually um there, it's such a rich show and there's so much good foreshadowing and character work happening early on when in the first two or three episodes we were laughing and really liking it but it wasn't clear just how 
uh, faithfully they were going to honor every character that they'd created mm-hmm. by the end in the beginning. So yeah. you don't really like we didn't realize that even the bit players, the people who seem like they're going to be comic relief, uh-huh. yeah, um, Keely who seems like she's going to be the girlfriend, mm-hmm. um, right. you don't realize that all of these characters are going to become beloved, wonderful, fleshed uh-huh. out people. Even what's his face, like her assistant, the owner's assistant, what's his name, Higgins? Yeah, yeah, the assistant Higgins. Higgins yeah. is amazing. Higgins yeah. is he gets his own space playing. One of my favorite things. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, and even Jamie Tart, who is such a prick, and I really like he's just meant to be this really annoying character. But in this in the second viewing, I was much more he's very funny. The actor who plays him is really mm-hmm. good at playing him as this sort of vainglorious jerk. But he's also a really sympathetic character, and you see these little flashes of like all the things that he's struggling with. Um I have a whole take on this show. Um, Maddie, I've joked about writing an article about this too, even though I'm never going to do it. But an article about a take about how this show, I think, portrays every major masculine archetype. Each guy in this show is kind of a different type of masculinity. And then they all meet around this fulcrum point that is Ted Lasso. Mm-hmm. Who is like Mr. Rogers, if that's a type of masculinity. Yeah, he's, right. he's his own type. And I haven't fleshed it out enough to even get into it here. But I think that's a fascinating thing about the show, even though, as you said, Maddie, it also has fantastically written female characters. And it's mm-hmm. just a great show about people yeah. doing their best and trying to be good. And it's and But not in the smurfy, cheesy way that that sounds. It's such a good show. People should get an Apple TV Plus uh, demo, even. Like, I think you can do the trial for a week yeah Just you can like get a free month or whatever that's plenty go watch it it's so good yeah one yeah. of the co-creators of the show it should be noted is bill lawrence yeah. best known for scrubs and scrubs is mm. like the definition of the show that you yes. don't think is gonna be like anything special and then it's like unbelievably yep. heartwarming and hilarious and awesome so. yeah it has major scrubs energy I, when mm-hmm. i saw that after we'd watched a couple episodes a lot of things kind of made made more sense to yeah. me yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 i'm excited for it to get a second season i don't even know if it's going to i just it is yeah it so it's got it's already been renewed for a second oh, and a third and a third season. yes yeah i think it's because it's kind of apple tv plus's first real hit yeah, they haven't had a show a critical hit at least they haven't had yeah. a show that people like us go on podcasts to be like no no no, this is really good and you should watch it mm-hmm. um well we liked mythic quest Although mythic yeah. mythic quest is pretty good yeah I, but that i don't think that was i didn't see people talking about mythic quest the way i see people talk about ted lasso. yeah no i think ted lasso was a strong no not it was we're a video game podcast of course yeah, we're gonna talk yeah. about mythic quest. yeah 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 <laughs> But like I've seen TV critics, especially because given remember the caveman TV show? This is a TV, a co- right. this is a sitcom based on an ad. It should have been terrible. Right. And yet yeah. somehow it's one of the best shows I've seen in a really long time. I know. Which also just feels um unbelievable. It does. But, uh, yeah. Ugh, it's so good. I love it so much. Uh all right. I'll go next. I also mine is also a TV show. And it is uh, a show that I talked about forever ago in the split screen days and then stopped watching. And then recently started watching again, and I'm really liking, and that is The Expanse. This is a a sci-fi show that is now an Amazon show. I believe Amazon bought this from, I want to say, Sci-Fi Network or maybe FX after two seasons, and is now just a long-running FX show. They just had their fifth season. Uh, Have either of you seen this show or know anything about this show? No. So it's based on a series of books that I haven't read. It feels very booky. It's very political, very uh, the machinations of three governments, really two governments and one sort of city-state government, and that is Earth, Mars, and the Belt. That's where it starts. And we're in the future where Mars has been colonized. There's definitely some sort of um, 
Mars trilogy, you know, sci-fi feelings there with Mars trying to establish their own identity and having their own whole culture because they've had to live on Mars and make it work on Mars, which is very different than on Earth. So they have their own really intense sort of almost a cold war going at the beginning of this between Mars and the Earth. The belt, meanwhile, is just sort of out in the asteroid belts, the people who live in space. And there are whole colonies of people who just live in space. And they have their own whole culture and their own whole world and their own challenges and they're sort of shunted off to the side by the other two civilizations. So that's the kind of basic three-way political conflict that then all this stuff gets introduced to. There's, of course, just the long-running political tensions. There's this alien proto-molecule that turns up that is, it's not clear where it came from, who's developing it, who wants to use it as a weapon. That's kind of the catalyst for this ongoing conflict that winds up uh, it's kind of revolving around the ship, the Rosinate, and its crew, who are these different people from all over the place, and they wind up kind of in the thick of it over and over again. This show also has major Mass Effect energy. The farther you go into <laughs> it, the more it really, really, really starts to feel like Mass Effect visually from a narrative point of view. Of course, Mass Effect owes a lot to previous sci-fi and was also kind of a grab bag of sci-fi tropes, but it really mm-hmm. does have some Mass Effect feeling. Anyone who likes Mass Effect would like this show. And... It's really um, dense and very plot heavy. The characters aren't great, I don't think. Like, it's kind of partly the actors and the characters. It's not really, it's not a show where I go to it because I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see that character. It's kind of the opposite of Ted Lasso. Mm. I don't think, oh, I can't wait to find out what's happening to Holden, the main guy. I'm kind of like, whatever. It does have um, Shore Agdashlu, who is uh, the. Voice of well, she's like the voice of a bunch of video game characters. She's mm-hmm. an amazing voice. Yeah. Also, um, uh, in season four of Twenty Four, as the mother of a family. Yes, yeah. that's right. She's mm-hmm. in Twenty Four. She's in I think House and Sand and Fog. She's in an X Men. She's in one of the X Men. She's the voice of the um, future War Cult vendor in Destiny. Yes, she has this yes, incredible yes, yes. purring voice. Hello, my name is Shorey, and I'm going to make you fall asleep using only the power of my voice. Yeah, really amazing actors. So so there are some great actors playing roles, but most of the main cast, they're fine, but that's not the point. It's always that every episode is like pedal to the metal. What is gonna happen? You know, I don't know if you've if you watched the Battlestar Galactica remake, if you remember like oh, Pegasus yeah. and Resurrection Ship, that whole run where they're the two ships and they're kind mm-hmm. of at each other's throats and you don't know who's gonna betray who and they're under attack by the Cylons and oh, there's yeah. a plan to throw like overthrow the bridge of each ship and you're like I remember watching that live, man. Like, yeah, week me to too. Week. And like falling out of my chair. So <laughs> season three, which we just came back to, we kind of fell off it because it got too complicated and we weren't that invested in the characters. Season three is really entertaining. I mean, it's nothing but every episode is just like a non-stop thrill ride of sort of tension and they do a good job of just killing people a lot Um, especially (laughs) at the beginning they just kill people and so you get in a kind of anyone can die vibe and because the show is so much more about the bigger plot than about the characters you do care about the characters a lot of the actors are really charming and you're like well I don't want you to die I don't want to watch the people that I've followed this whole way have bad things happen to them but you're always worried and they it's kind of convincing you know, when you're like, how are they going to get out of this one? Or maybe they aren't going to get out of this one. Mm-hmm. And it just keeps escalating. And they come up with these really creative scenarios to put everyone in, especially in season three. The second half has just got a really great kind of ongoing scenario that's just an eight episode or like six episode run. And it's a great show. I'm really excited to be back watching it. It's been a cool thing. There's two more seasons to watch. It's really good for, you know, being stuck inside during COVID. So yeah, I'm psyched to be back on it. A lot of people over the years have been like, you should get back to the expanse. It's good. I know you stopped watching it but watch it and they were right it is good um i'm i'm enjoying it and now I, i'm sure they'll all tell me oh well now it turns to dog shit and season four is terrible sorry 
Isn't that always the way? Uh, don't tell me that, if, even if it's true. We'll, we're going to watch it anyways. <laughs> so anyways, um, that's The Expanse. It's an Amazon show, and you can watch it on Amazon TV. Uh, all right, Jason, what is your one more thing? Cool. So before my one more thing, I'm going to cheat a little bit because I, I just finished a book. It's all right. Everyone does it. I just mm. finished a book called Piranesi by Susanna Clark. That's really, really good, and I recommend mm. it, and I know people always appreciate book recommendations. Also, there's a lot of NFL drama going on, but I'm going to save it. I'm going to save NFL talk for after the Super Bowl, and then we'll get into right. some real Great. NFL juice, nice. some dirt, Great. some some Great. Super Bowl talk. So that'll be in a couple of weeks. But my one more thing this week is GameStop. One of the craziest hey. stories ever, ever, ever. Why wasn't this that- my prediction? Why Why did I just predict that GameStop <laughs> that would get one. absorbed by another company? Why didn't I predict? Well, it might because this might cause it to implode. <laughs> so what's happened is GameStop stock was at trading at like like ten dollars uh, a couple of months ago. Now, last I checked, it's Tuesday night. It was trading at over two hundred dollars in after hours trading. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, the story behind this is insane and absurd, and I still don't Scary? understand half of it. Boring? Terrifying, terrifying. Um, but basically, the short version is a lot of people were shorting the stock, and shorting in in investor terms basically means betting against it. You make money if the stock does poorly, um, like the big. Short that uh, that that movie with Steve Carell based on the Michael Lewis book. Um, so a lot of like hedge funds and like big name financial people were doing it, and somehow at some point. A bunch of redditors on a subreddit called Wall Street Bets, which is just an insane place. Like they all call each other like very autistic retards. Yeah, like they all just use these words and like very Chan energy there. It is very mm. Chan. It's very meme, f- full of memes. And they all decided that like, hey, we're gonna pump up GameStop. <laughs> we're gonna buy tons of GameStop. There's this one guy who boasts on there every day, and his handle is Deep Fucking Value, and he has turned about forty or $50,000 into $22 million in GameStop stock. Um, he's still sitting on it, by the way. He hasn't sold, so who knows? Maybe this will all come crashing back to Earth, but they all believe that they're going to keep driving it up. Um, I don't know why they're doing this. I don't know if they think they're going to make a bunch of money or if they're, a lot of them talk about this one company called Melvin Capital, which is the one that one of the huge hedge funds that has shorted a ton of GameStop. So they got totally screwed by this. Like they're losing literally billions of dollars because the stock is going up. And the way it works is if you short a stock and then it goes up, you have to like buy some of it and cut your losses. And it's, there's a thing called a short squeeze where because you're getting squeezed, you have to buy it and that drives the stock up even more and you can just get totally fucked. And that's what's happening in this hedge fund. Like it might actually go under because of this. Like they might lose so many billions. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is kind of a cool like Occupy Wall Street like sort of like I like, guess but that's not their motivation in it all it's more just of a chaos. <laughs> well they are they do talk about that a lot on the subreddit okay, having read enough, it they do enough. talk about Melvin a lot and like going after a lot of them believe they're part of this like Robin Hood scheme to like take money from the rich and that's mm-hmm. I think that's what's driving based on my own my reading of the subreddit that seems to be what a lot of people are talking about um but yeah, this stock just keeps going through the roof and it's just like, it's such such a strange thing and such a bizarre proof of like how meaningless our economy is, how it's all just built on ticky-tacking. Well, the economy isn't the stock market, to be clear. The stock market is weird. The economy is a very different thing. Sure, but... But the stock market drives much of our, I mean, anyone who has a retirement account or like a mutual fund or savings is like tied up in the stock market, even if it's not, quote unquote, the economy. Yeah, that's the stock market, though. The economy is 
this is a separate thing. Yeah, but it is real money. I mean, that's that's the part of it that's kind of scary to me is like, you know, if, if somebody seems to have won $22 million from playing the stocks, like that is people's money. Like it's not as yeah. though mm-hmm. it's just like a, a cool cash payout that someone is magically getting. Like it's it's money that exists somewhere and is taken away from someone else. And there've already been like some stories of people like as the GameStop stock has gone up and down all week where people have been investing in it and then losing money as it goes down again. And like there are many stories of people online that are not the 22 million one and are just people putting money into this thinking like, Oh, I I guess we're all putting stock in GameStop now or buying stock in GameStop. And like those stories are depressing to me and make me feel like, I don't know, like gamers getting into stock market stuff is, uh, (laughs) it's a real chaos timeline that we're in. You know what I mean? Like we, I know we're already in a chaos timeline, but this is like (laughs) some real, real shit here. So this is, this is very much like day trading. Like people have Robinhood accounts and they're like buying individual stocks. Buying individual stocks is, is gambling. It is 100% gambling as opposed to Mm -hmm. investing in the broader stock market and saying, I'm going to put all my money in a Vanguard mutual fund and it'll rise and fall with the S&P and that that's a little bit more of like like I'm not really worried about the that because the volatility of like an individual stock isn't really affecting the overall market and like unless you're you're I mean if you're someone who's going and buying GameStop stock because you saw a headline about it then you're just essentially throwing your money away like you're gambling mm-hmm. um yeah it's the same as when I bet on the Chiefs to cover which they did by the way um and <laughs> but it's just as risky it's but just it's just as, as risky, risky right it's just as stupid um but but so that's not that's like a, a whole different thing the thing that worries me is more that this company uh, this GameStop itself might just explode as a result of this because eventually yeah. this is all going to come crashing back to earth. Maybe the GameStop board is going to offload shares, um, try to get out. Maybe someone will come in, try to take over. Who knows? Maybe a hedge fund will try to buy them. Anything yeah. can happen. And the people who are going to get really fucked at the end of the day are GameStop employees. And that's that's what kind of worries me about this whole thing is that like it could go really badly for GameStop employees because of this Reddit meme stock craziness. Um, but it is, it is wild. I mean, I just can't believe that it's happening. I've never seen anything like this. It's sort of like uh, a good comparison, I think, is like, have you guys seen Wolf of Wall Street? Mm -hmm. No. Okay. (laughs) I never wanted to. It just seemed like a movie full of assholes. It is. It is. Um, it's an enjoyable movie, but I'm more of a Scorsese fan than you guys are. But so Wolf of Wall Street. So the whole premise of that is that like the way the way they made money and the way that like a lot of one of the big stock no nos is it's called a pump and dump. And basically, you get a bunch of people to buy. You buy a stock when it's really low, like a penny stock or something like that. You get a bunch of unwitting people to buy in, and then you sell when it's at its highest. And that mm-hmm. is essentially what is happening here with a Reddit. Except the stock market like has never anticipated that like people would do this on Reddit, and they're like. SEC regulations for when this happens, they're not really well enforced, but they're they're they exist for when this happens when like a hedge fund does it or like a, a proper gaming uh, banking company does it. But like when a subreddit does it, when a Reddit is like <laughs> like collectively saying, let's all pump up this stock. The SEC like, is gonna take away their flair. <laughs> what do you do? Like the, the stock market was just not meant for this, and it is so bizarre and they're like, gonna have to figure it out though. Because like is, watching yeah. this, I'm like, this could just start happening all the time like what's to stop anyone from doing this like we already see right. like k-pop stands like influencing all kinds of things on the internet by sheer volume like why not <laughs> why not if, if all the k-pop stands decide they want to like buy a stock she could get really crazy you know what i mean like it's just like there's a lot of groups of people on the internet who decide to do strange mm-hmm. things and can influence 
real world events. So that's fine. That's all fine. Um, Elon Musk tweeted the other day, get Signal. And he was talking about the phone app, Signal, like the messaging app. But a bunch of people bought in an, an entirely different company called Signal. And its stock went up like like 100%, 20, 200%, something like that. <laughs> Even though nobody had actually, like, he had not actually said that. He just said the word Signal. Sometimes I think about what, like, the history books are going to say about Elon Musk's Twitter Twitter feed. And, uh-huh. Great question. And I, I just I just scratch my head and I can't really figure out what it's going to look like. Well, it will not shock you. It will not shock you to hear that he was involved with the GameStop stuff, too, because when yep. he tweeted about that, it went up, like, another 60% or something like Man, that. that's wild. So, yeah, Lovely. wild, Lovely. wild world. This sounds like a wild story I've been following a little bit. I'll say that I've just over the last few weeks completely unrelated to this just been going and reading an explanation of what shorting is and what options are Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. i want to get the two like really want to get my head around it i don't do a lot of investing but i've seen people talking about robin hood and how terrible of an idea it is to be getting into options or shorting if you're just a casual person um and and wanting to learn what they are yeah a a lot of people i know people who have lost a lot of like really ruined themselves with day trading like that shit is scary yeah it, it is just gambling but it's been interesting to just try to understand what some of that stuff is because some of it is so weird like options trading is just totally mm-hmm. weird so I'll, I'll maybe i'll link to a couple of things i recommend doing that to anyone listening if you're just yes. sort of curious about this and maybe we can also list, link to something like explaining exactly how this pump and dump reddit thing works with GameStop. sure yeah because yeah, yeah. there's some good articles get yeah. it but i would love to read a authoritative breakdown of yeah it. I, I read yeah. some good bloomberg articles to promote yeah, the that ship. <laughs> um but yeah i will say that like i highly highly recommend not downloading robin hood because i know a Don't lot of people it. were tempted yes. to be like i want to get in on this game something and man that can still ruin your life get a mutual fund mutual fund like you get into the stock market it's going up especially if you're in it for the long haul it's like an average of like eight percent a year or something like that and like you'll you'll gain steadily yeah. stay conservative don't and i say this as a gambler but like this is another <laughs> level of gambling not like yeah, the, gambling with the, that much money is is never a good idea yeah when you're talking about like this like it, it can be super scary like nobody you do not want to get into day trading if you are not a pro even if it seems fun to be part of a reddit meme um i i <laughs> highly recommend not doing that yeah don't do it don't do good it good advice to wrap up on all right well that's our show don't go and gamble away all of your money everybody <laughs> and uh stay safe out there and i will see the two of you next week see you next time bye Triple Click is produced by Jason Schreier, Maddie Myers, and me, Kirk Hamilton. I edit and mix the show and also wrote our theme music. Our show art is by Tom DJ. Some of the games and products we talked about on this episode may have been sent to us for free for review consideration. You can find a link to our ethics policy in the show notes. Triple Click is a proud member of the Maximum Fun Podcast Network, and if you like our show, we hope you'll consider supporting us by becoming a member at MaximumFun.org join. Find us on Twitter at TripleClickPod, send email to TripleClick at MaximumFun.org, and find a link to our Discord in the show notes. Thanks for listening. See you next time. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.